Well, y'all are lively, but we'll fix that. We'll fix that. We'll fix it. Because you're not leaving until you get happy. So, amen. Get your Bibles out and go to James chapter 1. I'm, I'm going to do something tonight. Um, when we were in Louisiana, um, Pastor Pearson's made a statement that Oral Roberts said, you have to preach a message seven times before anybody gets it. So, um, you know, don't ever be afraid of preaching something more than once. And what I'm going to preach tonight, we've heard over and over and over. But I'm going to make a statement to you. We're going to talk about the sermon. My sermon is called After Amen. I think one of the most difficult things we do as a Christian is casting our cares on the Lord, not worrying, and, uh, and counting it all joy in a problem. We, you know, as much as we want to walk around going, I got it. Yeah, we got it. It's one thing to hear it preached. It's another thing to say you believe it. It is another thing to walk it out when everything is not going well. Now, I'm going to tell you how I know that. We're going to start off. Let me put the scripture up here, and I'm going to tell you how I know this and why I'm doing this. Uh, go to James chapter 1, 1. James, a bondservant of, of God and the Lord Jesus Christ of the 12 tribes, which are scattered, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, tests. You got to be faster than that, sweetheart. Let's go. Come on. I'm not rushing you. No, yeah, you missed one whole complete script, yeah. No, I'm not putting faith, I'm not putting pressure on her. I love to mess with these guys. Well, I better read it out of my Bible since I can't get it. Can cooperate? My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you'll be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. If anyone lacks wisdom... Let him ask a God who gives to all liberty without approach, and it will be given him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. He who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he's going to receive anything from the Lord, for a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Um, I think the most difficult thing, and like I said, is, is actually teaching people or getting people to count it all joy. Now, now like I just said, listen, listen to me carefully. It's one thing... To say, I believe that. It's another thing to do that. And the reason I'm saying that is that, you know, when I say this without condemnation, I meet a lot of Christians that when they're going through something, they're doing a, a, a halfway good job of acting happy. Like, uh, and, and, and I get it, and I know why they're acting that way, and I'm going to tell you my story. When I was in Tulsa, you know, I went to Ramah, and I made an A on the cash at all your cares on the Lord test. <laughs> Actually, I had a 3.83 grade point average at Ramah. So um, it's funny how you remember those numbers. Amen. So, um, but, but yet, when I went through a, my marriage issue, uh, I had a hard time counting all joy. I mean, I just, I really was not a happy person. I was sad. I was upset, mad, just, just depressed. I didn't eat for 30 days. I, I, I got down to 138 pounds. Imagine that. Use your imagination. This clothes right here would look like a 10 on me right now. So, and yet, I heard Brother Hagen during that time preaching on cast your cares on the Lord, and I just hollered at the radio and told him, shut up. Because it's one thing to say you believe it, it's another thing to walk through it. So not only are we going to talk about doing it, we're going to talk about why we do it. And we're going to understand that what really is going on inside of you when the Bible says, count it all joy. And he's talking about when you fall into diverse temptations, tests, and trials. Philippians 4.4, 4. while you're going over there, let me say something to you. You are going to have problems in the earth. You just are going to have them. Everybody does to some degree or another. How you handle them means everything. What you're doing about it and how you handle it. And a lot of people are just sitting around waiting for it to go away. And um, some people, and, 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 I, and I don't say this to be condemning, they feel 
like they've got to tell everybody how bad it is because I guess it makes them feel good. It makes them feel, somebody please understand my plight. And when someone like me comes along and says, we're going to talk about count it all joy, um, the average person goes, I, I really wished I could. You, but you know, I really wished I could right now, but I can't right now. I mean, if you knew what I was going through, and it isn't like we don't care. And that's that you can't get this mindset of these people in this church just don't care about what is going on in my life. And I want you to understand something. There's stuff that's happened to people that's really bad. I mean, it's really bad. So he's not saying make light of it. Think little of it. Act happy. That's not what he's saying at all. He said count it joy or consider it joy. And I'm going to show you what that means. Philippians 4.4. And... um, Because when you're going through something, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Philippians 4.4, let's read this. Rejoice in the Lord. Say, in the Lord. Lord. He didn't say rejoice. He did not say, have some joy. He said, rejoice in the Lord. Now, Now, when someone says, count it all joy, what they're not, they're not saying what you're dealing with is not important. What they're saying is you need to get your focus off the problem that is very real and on to someone who can and will help you. And he will. Now, we're gonna, I'm going to show you that in a minute. But, but, but joy is a byproduct of faith. When you're in faith, the fruit of it is joy. When you're not in faith, the fruit of that is worrying and fretting and anxiety. Now, you, I'm not asking you to fake it. That doesn't work. To walk around and pretend like everything is fine. That doesn't work. Nobody's asking you to pretend. All right, let me finish reading this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious or worry for nothing. Now, I'm going to tell you, I think that is the biggest sin in the body of Christ. I think that might be the most difficult scripture to keep. Don't worry about anything because the devil tells you, you got to care. I mean, don't you care? Tom Bowser's in the hospital. You guys just don't care. And that's what, that's what people will accuse you of if they're watching you counting it all joy in a trial, especially if it's theirs. You tell them a problem and you go, well, hallelujah. And they're like, Excuse me? What do you mean, hallelujah? I'm going through hell and back, and your answer is hallelujah? All right. There is a God, and you're not him. Now, there's things you can't fix, and that's where the issue is. There's things that are your responsibility, and they're mine. God does not change diapers. Cast the care of it on the Lord all you want to. But when you come back in the room, the baby's there, the diaper's still there. God does not wash dishes. Cast the care of that on the Lord, and when you come back, there'll be more. (laughs) We're not talking about bucking responsibility. We're talking about the things in life that there's no way in the world you can do it. It's going to take God. Now, here's one more thing, and and, and as we get into this, go to 1 Peter chapter 5 now, and uh, we'll go over there in the Amplified. Um, when you, see, when you see people that are stressed out, I'm going to tell you why they are. They're hoping. They're waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord. And you'll hear them when you talk to people and they'll tell you, I'm going through this, 
but I'm believing God. What that means when they say those words is that God is going to do it someday. So what they're dealing with is hopelessness. Now let me ask you a question. Let's pretend that God has just decided he's not going to help you. What are you going to do to make him? You can't make God do anything. So, so what happens to people is they get, into, they get into a form of depression. Because it could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be next month. It might be in a year or two. But we know God is working on it. And when you talk to people like that, you can sense the, the despair in their voice. And when you look at them and say, he's already done it, they just look at you like you've lost your mind. Because I know he hadn't done it, I still got this problem. And so there's a great divide between people who walk by faith and those who do not. Because they don't understand what we're saying. I want you to understand the mechanics of what you're doing. Why do you do this? Counting it joy is a battle strategy for victory. God needs you in faith. He needs you to give him the issue and he needs you to cast it on him and he needs somebody in faith. All right, now here's one thing that you've got to get used to. Your day of telling everybody your problems is over. And I know you want to. <laughs> but you're going to have to, but you can't. Now, I'm not saying you never say anything to anybody. But you need to understand there's people can't help you. You can tell me and come to me and say, I have a problem. I'm, going, I'm not Jesus. And when you, after you've told me everything for two or three or four hours, you're no better off than you were when you started telling me. I mean, I sympathize with you. I love you. I'll pray for you. But unless you start counting it all joy, I can pray to your hair falls out of your head and, and nothing's ever going to happen. You've got to get in line with God. You and I have got to get, we've got to cooperate with him a little bit here. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, um, 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 this is the big dog scripture of casting all your cares on the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Will you get, oh, in the Amplified, look at this. Cast all your cares, now look at the difference. All of your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, When? Once and for all. He's not talking about every time you have a problem. He's literally talking about a lifestyle. He's not talking about you when you have a problem, you cast care. Next week you have a problem, you cast care. Next week you have a problem, you cast care. He isn't talking about that. He's talking about a lifestyle of casting your care. So let me stop for a minute and explain something to you about Christianity. You will never trust God past your commitment. You can't do it. It can't be done. Why do you think God requires a commitment before you jump in bed with the opposite sex? Because without a commitment, you're going to quit. God wants you to walk up in a, in, a, in, a, in a church service and everybody comes and put a big pretty dress on and get the guy all dressed up and get everybody out there. He wants to hear a commitment out of you. Why? Because if you're a man of your word, you're going to push through the hard times. And if you're not, the first hard time, you will quit. So when you get born again, you need to walk up in front of a church and make a commitment to God. Because it's going to get tough. Lisa and I have hit a few bumps. Matter of fact, we hit a few mountains. But we're still married. How'd that work? Well, I, she married a good man. And I married a good woman. I know I'm supposed to say that. It's in the cards. It's on the script. No, because we meant it when we got married. We meant it. And that's important. To the degree you're committed, you're going to make it. 
Now, if you think, now, now if you're not committed, if you're looking for a reason to leave, you will find one. Do you understand me? If you're looking for a reason to walk out on Jesus, let me tell you something. Satan will bring you one. He, he's going to bring it to you, and it's going to be there. So, so when he's talking about cast all your cares on the Lord, he, he's, listen, just listen to me. He's really talking about your commitment to God here, not a one time I'm having a problem, but for you to remember that while you're having a problem, you gave him you. And he gave you himself and y'all are married and he's in this with you. And your faith in God is based on your trust in God. I trust him it's totally with my life. That's why November 16, 1975, I laid my life on the altar. I didn't come to get saved so I'd go to heaven. I came and gave me to Jesus. I said, this is me. It's all I got. And he came in my heart and became the Lord of my life. And things, I had a great time in God, but I've been through some stuff. I've been through some real stuff. But yet my faith in God has never been shaken because my commitment has never been shaken. I've never entertained the thought of walking. Sleep in the living room, yes, but walking, no. I'm talking about Lisa now, but anyway. Are y'all getting this? Do you understand this? So, so uh, there's a Christianity out there today that is producing believers who have no foundation. They don't have a foundation of lordship of Jesus. And every time there's a problem, they just fall away and go right back in the world again. Now, let me say that again. I want you to understand, I, I, I went through a divorce. That's is very, very, very difficult. I've had, I've had issues in this church that have been up and down in the last 30 years. That has been very, very difficult. I've had problems in my own family, my own, my own health. But not one time have I ever blamed God and wondered where he was and why he wasn't helping me. Why is that? Because I've got, I've got I trust him. Now, in everything, give thanks. Not for everything, but in it, because I've, already, this, I've got this relationship thing fixed. So when you cast your cares on the Lord, you go through it knowing, 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 knowing you're coming out. He's got this thing. He's got this thing. You're not in this thing alone. Uh, one thing about being married is that I know when I married Lisa, I know she's not a quitter. And I know, you know, I mean, she went to her mom once, once, and said, um... He's got some problems. And I didn't really. She had the problems. She, I didn't have any problems. And her mother said, well, write them down on a piece of paper. And she wrote, she wrote them in big letters on one. She said, flip the paper over and write down all the good stuff. She filled up two legal-sized sheets of paper. And she says, honey, all that good and those two little issues right there, she says, why don't you go on home? You know, if, you, if you have kids, send them home. No, 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 don't pet your kids when they come home. So Lisa came and we just worked through it. But you can't quit every time there's a problem. All you guys that are going to get married, y'all may want to put y'all up here on the front. I may want to preach to y'all for a while. Amen. I mean, work it out. Work it out. So God is asking you, when you're in a situation, trust him and let's just work this thing out. So that's what it means when it says casting all of your cares on him. For he what? He cares about you. All right, now, um, uh, 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 1 John chapter 5, let's go over and talk about what it is we know when we pray. Chapter 5, 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence that we have in him if we ask anything according to his will or his word, he hears us. And we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions we've asked of him. Now, that gets rid of the hope issue because we don't believe he's going to do anything. We believe we have it. Now, we understand it hasn't manifested. So here's the issue. When I was going through my situation, did I pray? Yes. Did I ask God to help me? Yes. Did he? Yes. 
He said he did, right? All right, now here's the issue. If I have given something to God, do I have it? No, technically I don't. There's where your faith is. My faith is not in me. My faith is not in my me. How am I going to do? What am I going to do? How are you going to face the die? What are you going to do? 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 My faith is in God, and I may have to read my, that scripture to myself over and over and over and over and over to keep my mind on it. But when the devil comes along and says, "What are you going to do?" You, I'm going to say, I, 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 "I'm not going to do anything about it." Yeah, but what about? Well, I gave it to God. Oh, really? When's he going to do something? I said, "Well, he already did. He said he did it." I asked him. He knows about it. He's got this. Now, that might be the most difficult thing you've ever done in your life. Because does he have it? Did he lie? He don't lie. And, and you and I have, have no feelings. There's no feelings. Now, here's another issue that American Christians have. We are the most feely, feely, feely people. Well, I feel that God heard me. I feel he didn't. Well, I feel they love me. I feel like, no, I feel, I feel like the church doesn't love me. I feel, I'll tell you how I feel about it. And, and as long as God gave you feelings, but, but, you feel, but feelings change. You can't go by feeling. He said he heard you. That's the end of that subject. He heard you. So how do you act if he heard you? All right, let's pretend for a minute. Get on the phone. Hey, God. You got this, I got this, I'll take care of it, it'll be fine. And you heard an audible voice. How would you act? You got it? You got it? Now, if I told Art, I said, Art, you know, my truck has a flat tire, would you fix it? He said, yeah. He said, I'm going to go by what he told me, right? So, So the thing is, that's called faith. And a lot of people, you know, when they say faith, they think that what you're doing is believing God is going to do it. And you've got to keep pestering him until you talk him into the notion of getting around to it. Now, what you're literally saying is he doesn't love you. So that is another issue you've got to fix. So go to Romans 8. You have to fix that. Now, we've heard so much about God loves everybody, God loves everybody, God loves everybody. But I mean, does he? So let's talk about love. Did you deserve what he did for you at at, at the cross? No, you did not deserve it. But he did it for you, didn't he? Why did he do it for you? Because he loves you. Now, people say this word, and I don't like it, but we'll use it tonight. God's not mad at you. What they're really attempting to say is that because, now God is a just God. He's a just God. He's a righteous God. He's a holy God. He don't tolerate no sin. But he poured his wrath on Jesus. And how much of that did Jesus pay? All of it. So how much of it's on you? There's none on you. There ain't any on you. Now, you have to believe that. You say, how do I feel? Well, sometimes I feel like he loves me, and sometimes I feel like he doesn't care, and sometimes I feel like he didn't even know who I am. But what does that matter? Well, all that matters, it tells me how much you spend thinking about it. Now, let's go back in meditation for a minute, because we've, we've turned meditating on the Word into a works, and it's not. When you're in a problem, you're either going to be thinking about the problem, or you're going to be thinking about the Lord. And you're going to have to make yourself think about God. You have to make yourself do that. It is not natural for you to open your Bible and read Romans 8 when you're going through hell. It is not the natural. You feel defiled. You feel hurt. You feel violated. And those feelings are real. And you're asking yourself to believe something different than how you feel. So let's read it. Are y'all ready? What can we say about such wonderful things as this?
if God is for me, who could ever be against me? Since God didn't spare his own son, but gave him up. I'm reading out of the New Living Translations, Romans 8, 31. If he did not, he gave him up for all things. Won't God who gave us Christ give me everything else? Would he? If he gave me Jesus, would he deny me a prayer? No, he won't. Now, being rooted in love. I heard Joyce Myers make a statement one time. She said, I, I took a year off and spent one year allowing God to love me. I needed it. I think sometimes it is good for you to take time and meditate on the love of God and meditate on the love of God and get rooted in the love of God. It really is good for you because everything else tells you that's not true. And, and, you know, you go through life and people don't treat you good and people do things to you. And then the devil goes, well, if God loves you, why is this happening to you? Oh, listen, I've been around. I've been around a little bit. And, and I went through all of this. If, if, you, if God really loved you, why are you going through this hell? I mean, if God really cared about you, he doesn't care about you. He cares about everybody, but you, not his favorite. Now, what are you going to do about that? Because you've got, you've got to do something about that thinking. Oh, that thinking is going to take you down. He's talking to you, and you've got to go. That's not so. And the word, and I know this sounds cheap. It's not, I'm not being cheap. The word says he, casts, he cares about me. You have to read the Bible to the devil just like Jesus did. No, he cares about me. And all the time, you feel, you feel, you feel, you feel like you don't. No, God is not a man. He lies. He don't lie to me. In a minute, we're going to get into church services where we rejoice. There's a reason we do it. It's not emotionalism. We're not hyping you. It's not hype. It's giving you an opportunity to focus on God and rejoicing in him. And, and church services should be the place you come and rejoice in the Lord. And you've got a purpose. I'm going in today and I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And, and the good thing is you got about another 200 people to help you get happy. And act like a complete nut for a little while and just run some miles and jump some pews and dance a little bit and just, just tell the devil where to go. You know, sometimes you just need services like that. Okay, they're for your benefit. So don't sit there and go, I'm just having a bad day. We know you are. Rejoice. All right. I'm not saying, we're not saying that things are, are good. We, don't, we understand they're not good. Listen, listen to this one. This is the Message Bible. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how could we possibly lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line, embracing my condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for me? What a powerful scripture. Now, see, sometimes you just got to get these and you got to write them down, put them in your church pocket and walk around and read it all day. You get it, get it, get it. Whoa, that glory to God. All right. <laughs> and let me see something. The message. I think I got this right. And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of his chosen? Who would dare even point a finger at me? The one who died for me, raised to life for me, in the presence of God right this very moment, sticking up for me? Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between me and his love? Yeah. 
There is no way, not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, or the worst sins listed in scriptures. It says in the Bible, they kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. No, none of this phases me because Jesus loves me. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, living or dead, angelic, demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing will ever get between me and God's love because of the way Jesus, my master, has embraced me. Woo! Hallelujah! That's called good news, isn't it? Now, you know, I just read one scripture. But you know, you sit back and think about that. I'm not saying that your situation isn't dire. I'm just saying that God is bigger than that. And if he told you and I you give that to me and I'm going to turn it around. How would you be acting if God told you the truth? You're not faking it. You're faithing it. You're walking in here going, well, I got one good thing to say about today. God is good. Jesus loves me, died on the cross for me. He loved me enough to send Jesus, wash me in the blood. He answers all of my prayers. I'm his favorite. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How are things going? I just told you. <laughs> Do y'all see this? If God did that for you and you didn't deserve it and you didn't, how much would he do for you now that you're born again, child of God? Is there anything he'd withhold from you? Nothing. Does he require you to count it all joy? Yes, he does. He needs you to count it all joy. Why? Because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. All right. Romans 3.26. Romans 3.26. I'm going to show you why. Now, now, Andrew did a real good book out called The Grace and Faith, and he, he did a great job explaining that. 3.26. Now you say, well, we've heard this before. You know, I, got new, I think you're going to need to hear this again in a few more months. I don't know. You just, I don't know about you, but I need to hear everyone. You know, the other day, the other morning I woke up and the Lord said to me right when I woke up, count it all joy. I just decided to jump out of bed and dance a little while and hallelujah, praise the name of Jesus, glory to God. I mean, I just acted on the word of God he gave me. You know, I walk around my house sometimes and go, I don't have a care in the world. And sometimes, man, I gave it to God. I don't have care. Hallelujah. I don't have care. I absolutely refuse to worry about anything. I don't have care. Now, let me say something to y'all. Don't get mad at me. Carrying the care is pride. It really is. What are you going to do about it? Well, you're not God. Now, again, I'm not talking about shirking responsibility. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But, I mean, there's things you do. There ain't nothing you can do about it. You know, there's people that are around you, they do things. You can't change it. They're just ugly. Is that a reflection on you? No. Are they destroying your life? No, they're not. Why? How do I know they're not? If God is for me, who can be against me? Now, the devil will tell you they're destroying your life. You go, No, they're not either. They don't have the power to destroy my life. Neither do you, devil. You can't destroy it because God is on my side. Now, you might have to say that to yourself a few times. Yeah. All right, now here's the scripture. Listen to this. To demonstrate at this present time his righteousness, that he might be just and justifier. God has a problem. It's a big one. He's a holy God. And he demands perfection. That's where the guilt and shame comes from because you know you're not. You got to learn to think like this. I know I'm not perfect and I don't deserve mercy. You're right, you don't. But God is just and He demands it. But Jesus paid it. So I want you to think about this. God is up there in heaven, He's going, every one of them deserve hell, but I have a problem. I love them. I am a holy God. I can't tolerate it. Somebody's going to pay. 
And Jesus looks at him and says, I'll do it, Father. So Jesus gave God the right to ignore your sin like you've never done a thing wrong. That's powerful. Now, you say, well, he poured it on Jesus. He did. Jesus knew that he needed to take the wrath, and that was the ultimate love of all the universe, to take your wrath. But if he took it, you rejoice in what the Lord did. Now, do you understand the scripture, I rejoice in the Lord? You're not, you're not just getting happy just to be happy. You're rejoicing because if Jesus took it, I don't have to take it. If he bore it, I don't have to bear it. If he took the punishment, I don't have, I'm not there. If he took the damnation, I'm not under damnation. If he took judgment, I'm not under judgment. God is able to treat me like I've never done a thing in the world wrong, not because of anything I've ever done, but what he did. And that is enough to get excited on Sunday morning and start worshiping God. It's not that we're faking it. We're not faking it. We've got our focus on something massive. Jesus bore it. He took it. He took it. I don't have to take it. And if God is for me, who could be against me? Hallelujah. Now you've got to learn to train yourself to think this way. So when he says rejoice in the Lord, he's saying rejoice in what the Lord did. Because if he did it, you don't have, all you got to do is walk in the throne room and go, Father, I got some situation. He goes, don't worry about it. I got it, son. I got this. I'll take care of it. And you can walk out knowing he heard you. And the only thing you have is his word. Are y'all hearing this? All right, now let's go to Romans and I'm going to show you the pattern. Hey, hey, hey. Romans 4, 20. Well, let's go back up to, let's read 13. Let's just read down to 20. Let's just read it. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or seed through the law, but the righteousness of faith, the faith in what Jesus did, not because Abraham did anything. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is void and promises of no effect. Because the law brings wrath and there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it's a faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only those who are of the law, but also those who are the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls things that do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so your descendants would be. Being not weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now he's talking here about the fact that the circumstances say to you, impossible. Yes, this is impossible. It can't, there's nothing you can do about this. Now, if you've ever been through a divorce, I'm gonna tell you something. There's, you look at it and go, this is hell. How in the world am I ever gonna have a good life? Well, without Jesus, maybe you wouldn't. Now, what about the fact that now the devil's beating you up because you screwed up? Oh, he's a master at that. Well, you wouldn't be in this mess if you'd have believed God the first time. And we know you didn't hear God and you still can't hear God. And he didn't care about you then. He didn't care about you now. And you're used anyway and nobody would have you. Oh, thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. You know how many people told me, told Lisa, don't marry him, he's used. And I said, well, she wants a used Rolls Royce rather than a new Volkswagen. <laughs> you got to have a little, you got you to gotta believe. Listen, if any man's in Christ, he's new. Right? So I was new. Now I'm going to tell you all something that I, maybe I shouldn't tell you. 
I was in a Holy Ghost meeting. Janie Grind was, was, was leading the worship. And, and I went up in the front and I began to just, just lay in the altar before God. And when I got up, all memories of my first marriage are gone. I can't conjure one up. I have zero memory. I, I remember the kids. I remember Chase, Big Wheel, and Ashley's tricycle, and I remember I have no memories. God can clean your soul. Isn't that wild? Because people ask me sometimes, and I go, I don't know. It's like amnesia. <laughs> okay, do what you want to with that. Look at verse 20. He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So what was he doing during the time that God said you're going to have a son? He's giving God glory. Think about this for a minute. What does it look like to give him glory? I mean, he's, he's shouting, happy, singing, dancing. I'm a father of nations. And Sarah's going, yeah, honey, sure. But do you think that him giving God glory had anything to do with causing it to come to pass? Oh, you better believe it did. God had to get him convinced he was going to do it. That's why he kept dealing with him. Come outside, look at the stars. Come out here, count the sand. God had to get Abraham in faith. He's got to get you in faith. That means he's got to get you over the problem and onto the promise. So what is the promise? You are the father of nations. What promise did he give you? You're blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. If God is for me, who could be against me? Those are the promises. And once you focus on them, you're going to start noticing that you give God glory. Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. If you're in faith, you're going to rejoice in the Lord. You're going to walk around going, hallelujah, glory to God, glory, hallelujah. I'll praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And you're not putting it on. You've been looking at the promise until you're going, oh, my God, I'm healed. I'm healthy. I'm blessed. I'm prosperous. Woo! Oh, glory to God. I'm redeemed from the curse. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My future is good. If God is on my side, glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, now, don't tell me you got faith in your heart while you're sitting there doing nothing. Now, I, 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 I know. I, 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 you can jump without being in faith, but you can't be in faith without jumping. No, you can't. No, you can't. Your face is going to light up when you're in faith. When your eyes are on you, you're going to light up. There's going to be a difference in your countenance. Now, let me make a statement to you. Worry will age you women quickly. You'll look like an old hag at 40 if you don't stop worrying. How many of y'all have seen people and you go, I mean, I've embarrassed myself. How old are you, honey? 50. Oh, Lisa, I thought she was 85. I'm glad I didn't say nothing. Golly. You know, on television they have these commercials where they put that stuff on your bag and eyeballs and all that. Well, if you just get happy, you wouldn't need to worry about your bag and eyeball. That's why you're so ugly. And that woman's probably 40 years old and look like she's 90. You know, coming to church here will make you young again. 
Just get happy. You might get young again. You might start getting pretty again. I mean, look at me. I'm pretty. <laughs> Someone, your face needs to do some calisthenics. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Because <laughs> everything's sagging up there and bagging, and your chin is bagging, and your face you look like you got jowls hanging down. I mean, come on, y'all. Have you ever seen people that are just ugly? And they are they ugly inside and they ugly outside. I mean, it's making them ugly. And you're thinking, if you just smiled a little bit, you wouldn't be so ugly. And all the Maybelline in the world ain't going to fix you, baby. You're going to have to get happy someday. So why don't you just stay happy right now and stay beautiful? And people look at you and go, you got, can't be a day over 65. Honey, I'm 80. You know, people look at my wife and they go, Andy, how are you keeping your youth? Well, I keep her happy. Just buy your wife a Mustang and get her a swimming pool. and Yeah, just take good care of her. And, and then she'll stay real pretty. Especially if you just call her pretty. If you have an ugly wife, call her pretty. <laughs> I told Lisa one time, I said, if you called me handsome, I wouldn't be so ugly. And I told her that a hundred times, and she never called me handsome. And then she started calling the horse handsome. And I said, that is not what I was talking about. I was trying to get you to use your faith. She said, I ain't got that much faith, baby. I don't have that much faith. Not really. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm picking on her bad. So do you think, do, do you think that this... Uh, Abraham giving glory to God had anything to do with it? Absolutely, guys, it does. Now, listen, um, Lisa and I go off to Mark Hankins' meetings, and, and, and um, <laughs> Bruce went with us. It's wild, ain't it, Bruce? I mean, it's wild. But it's not wild just to be wild. Think about this. If joy is faith, wouldn't you want to get in some joy? Wouldn't you want a little bit of joy? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Right? So if you're in fellowship with God, there really ought to be something other than a big dead church service. That means you have to come in on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, in purpose of rejoicing in the Lord. When, when they, when the, whether band strikes up or not, get happy. Just glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord right this minute. Now, I got to tell you my story, and I always tell you my story. And, um, and I know I've told you 10, 20, 30 times, but I'm going to tell you again. Because I have the pulpit. It's my church, and I'll tell you too if I want to. When I was going through... My thing in, in Tulsa, my wife had let me know that uh, marriage wasn't doing real good. And um, I went to school the next day, and y'all know about Mrs. King. Mrs. King is a beautiful black woman with an afro about that big. And she looks like Aunt Jemima, but she's beautiful. And she's got diamond earrings and about two carats each because her husband had a lot of money. And so, you know, you got this rich black woman and this beautiful, which, anyway, anyway. So she comes up to me. She's so sweet. What's wrong, baby? I told her. And she was very compassionate with me. She said, come on, let's pray. And we prayed. She's so sweet. That was Tuesday. I remember it was Tuesday. Because I remember the next one was Thursday. We were in Brother Hagen's class in SDC 1, far left building, second row from the front. You remember things like that. So Thursday I come back, and Brother Hagen's up there leading worship, but I'm not singing. I have problems. It's not good. I'm standing back there during the worship, and I'm thinking about it. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't know what to do. The devil's attacking me. 
losing my family right in the middle of Bible school. It's bad. And Mrs. King walks up again, sweet Mrs. King. And she says, what's wrong, honey? I said, you know. She said, did we pray? Yes, ma'am. And she put her black nose on my white nose. Right there. Afro sitting all around here is hanging over my head. She said, I thought we asked the Lord to fix that. We did. Well, I want to see a smile on your face. Earrings are swinging in the breeze on one side of it. The diary of a mad black woman. This woman was fire coming out of her eyeballs. She said, I want to see you count it all joy and act like the Bible is true. Yes, ma'am. I closed my eyes. I started worshiping God. I opened up. She's still there, man. I'm just, whoa, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't, I didn't care about whether God, but I was scared of Mrs. King. She going to come back. That woman going to kill me if I get back out of faith. So all day I'm walking down the halls and I'm looking. If Mrs. Cassia, Mrs. King, I'm counting out joy, honey, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And I'll tell you, <laughs> well, anyway, Miss, I finally shifted over from King faith to Jesus faith and decided, you know, maybe I ought to just start counting all joy. But you know what she told me was right. What she did for me that day, it was good for me. Now, folks, I went down to 138 pounds. I was dying. Worry will kill you. All of the hair in my face fell out. Patches of hair in my body were beginning to fall off on the floor. When you start getting hungry after you hadn't eaten, you're dying of starvation. God sent an angel in the bedroom one night. I heard him walking down the hall, and I'm laying there, not sleeping. When you're worried, you don't sleep. You know that, don't you? Miss King ain't in the house. I don't have to count it all joy when Angel walked up to me. I couldn't see him. You know what he said? 1 Peter 5, 7. The angel, very profound and deep, said, give her to me. In other words, God, give it to me. And I gave it to God. And I got up, went in the kitchen, ate, and I came out of it. But there had to be a point that I was going to give this to God. And I'm going to trust God. Because while you're worrying, you're not trusting God. Now, the circumstance changed? No. But I did. And I'm going to tell you something. I got my eyes on Jesus. I got my eyes on the call of God. And I just started serving God with all my heart. And Lisa will tell you. Betty will tell you. Sandy will tell you. When we went through, when when I was here, you couldn't tell I had a problem. I didn't have a problem. Marriage falling apart, you would never have known it watching me because I didn't have any problems. I don't have any cares. One day the Lord said, sign the papers. I signed them. He says, your next wife. I went, yeehaw, and off I went. And I never missed a beat. Are you all out there? Do you understand this? It works. Now, he turned it around. Honey, if I'd have known he was going to turn it around and give me Lisa, I'd have gotten happy sooner. <laughs> Is this making sense to y'all? Y'all getting this? All right, let's read a couple more scriptures, and I want y'all to write these down. Now, I'm preaching this tonight because, listen, Psalm 37. I don't care how long you've been living for God. I don't care how long you've been living for God. You're going to need 1 Peter 5, 7 a a, a whole lot more than you like to pretend like you're going to need 1 Peter 5, 7. You might as well mark it in your Bible. You're coming back to it one day. You might be there tonight. I want to read this to you. I love this psalm. I just love it. I just want to read it to you. I just want to read it. Don't fret because of evildoers and don't be envious of workers of iniquity. 
They're soon going to be cut down like the grass and wither like the green herb. That's talking about the people in America, guys. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him. He will bring it to pass. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice like the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Don't fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Stop being angry. Forsake wrath. Don't fret. That will only cause harm. Evildoers will soon be cut off, and those who wait on the Lord will inherit the earth. A little while and the wicked will be no more. You're going to look for his place, and he will be no more. The meek will inherit the earth and delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just. Do you feel it? Gnashes his teeth at you. But the Lord laughs at him and sees his days coming. The wicked have drawn their sword and bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and slay those who have upright conduct. Their sword will enter their own hearts and their own bows will be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of the wicked. The arm of the, of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the day of the upright, their inheritance is a forever. He will, they will not be ashamed in the evil time. In the days of famine, they will be satisfied. But the wicked will perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of his meadow, shall vanish in the smoke and vanish away. The wicked borrow does not repay. The righteous shows mercy and gives. Those who are blessed by him shall inherit the earth and cursed will be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Say, that's me. He delights in his way, and though he fall, he will not be cast down. The Lord upholds him with his right hand. I have been young, and now I am old, and I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful. He lends. His descendants are blessed. Depart from evil, do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. Amen. Amen. I read that Psalm 3, 4, 5, 6, 10 times every day for a year. I would wake up in the morning. I'd read that Psalm out loud. I'd get happy, feel like it. Oh, no, I did not feel like it. God began a work in me. He will complete it. Now, let me give you something prophetic. Most of the time when you're going through hell, it is because you have become a threat to the devil. It is an attack to stop you. Don't. He does not mess with people who are unimportant. By the mere fact that he bothers you, there's something you have and he wants it. Why did Saul attack David? Why did Cain attack Abel? Why did the devil cause him to attack Daniel the prophet? Why did Satan attack Jesus? Why? He don't mess with bad people. He messes with good ones. So what are you going to do? You're going to put your faith in God and you're going to count it all joy. If you've never learned anything in your life, you learn to rejoice in the Lord. Practice it. Hallelujah. God is good. If God is for me, who could be against me? Gave me Jesus. How now you not freely give me all things? I count it all joy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus is Lord. Woo! I plead the blood. No weapon formed against me or prosper. Hallelujah. It says in Psalm 149, praise is a weapon. Satan cannot stand in the presence of praise. I mean, if you want to whoop him and he's bothering you, start shouting hallelujah right in his face. Woo, glory to God. What are you happy about? Woo! If God is for me, who could be against me? Don't let the devil know he's, he's, he's getting food to your head. I mean, just count it all joy. 
Now, since the world is nuts anyway, and they have all come out of the closet. Everyone's out of the closet. I've come out too. Why, does it, why do they call a Christian bold because we praise God and it's acceptable for sinners to act the way they act? And yet you're told you're a little strange because you act full of joy. Honey, you're not strange because you're full of joy. You're normal. Everyone else is strange. I told people before, I said, I'm normal. Everybody in heaven acts like me, and everybody in hell acts like you. I'm normal. <laughs> you can witness to a sinner real good if you want to. Just get down on them real good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you get happy in front of people not saved, it drives them nuts. I got another story to tell you. When I, I took Lisa when I was in Tulsa. I took her to the station. Wasn't the station anymore. I took my train out. But across the street was an apartment complex called the Gin Mill. And all the girls there were a little bunch of floozies, little hussies. Now, the people I worked with were all saved because I got them born again. And, they, and Gin Mill always had problems in their maintenance, and I never had any. Isn't that amazing that whatever you put your hand to, my apartment complex was so smooth. I mean, I hardly had to work all day. I just read my Bible. It was a brand new complex. There wasn't nothing there broke. But the gin mill, everything was always breaking down. So I'd walk over there, open up the doors, and say, you girls need something? Glory to God, Jesus is Lord. Finally, one day, the head maintenance man came around and said, Morgan, they hate you. And I said, I never did nothing to them. They say, you oh, they just wish you'd quit saying hallelujah all the time. I said, you mean it bothers a little hussies? He said, yeah. I said, I'm going to double up. <laughs> Stepping out on their husbands, and I coming in there saying praise the Lord. What do you think that makes them feel like? Yeah. Woo, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. That's, a, that's good witnessing. What I really said is you need to repent. I want to tell you another story. I got four minutes and 17 seconds. <laughs> Betty, do you remember Bill Kozlowski? Bill and Jane Kozlowski lived next door to me and Tom Copeland. Bill came over and would fight with me and Tom about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and tell us that we were wrong and that it would have been done away with. And me and Tom would sit on the front porch and we'd talk to Bill and we'd laugh and cut up with him and praise the Lord. And Bill would always go home mad. <laughs> and he came over one day and he said, I have a question. I said, what is it, Bill? Why is it I'm right and I'm unhappy and you're wrong and you are happy? <laughs> I said, that's about the million dollar question, Bill. <laughs> And he stormed away. That, within a week or two, him and Jane had, was getting baptized at um, Billy Joe Darty's church. And she came up speaking in tongues, and he said, that's my Jane, that's my Jane. And he started speaking in tongues. <laughs> so the next day he comes over and he goes, I'm happy to. And I said, we're so glad, Bill. <laughs> We got so tired of watching your ugly face. <laughs> Joy is a sign of faith. I'm not talking about faking it, guys. I'm talking about rejoice. I mean, you, you listen to me. Learn to do this on purpose. You need it. It'll actually make your body healthy. Fretting causes all kind of problems inside of your body. Your body responds to stress more than any other single thing. You can't walk around stressed out all the time. When you're at work, there's times you just need to go, God, I got to give this to you. I got to cast the care of the Lord. I'm going to have to get happy right now. 
you got to learn to do this. This is not a little thing. This is not a cute sermon. This is life. Then who's the guy and Kenneth Hagin's friend they used to pray with, Lisa? Used to drive over to his church, Goodwin. He told somebody one day, he said, someone asked him about his building. He said, my building's paid for. He said, how'd you do that? He said, I danced the money in. Smith Wigglesworth would get up and dance every morning when he got out of bed. He danced before God. Raised 38 people from the dead. Maybe we should all start dancing. This is actually way more powerful than we've ever thought. But it is a very, very powerful truth. I think it was Jerry Savelle wrote a book, If Satan Can't Steal your, your Joy, He Can't Steal Your Goods or something. It's a big deal. Amen? Father God, I want to thank you for the fact that I could walk in this church tonight and preach on a subject of just like joy. Father, we, we choose. We walk out here tonight choosing as an act of our will to start being a whole lot more joyful. I didn't say happy. Joyful, full of joy. Rejoicing in what you did for us, rejoicing in the word of God and opening our mouth and counting it all joy. I pray, Father God, as the people in this church start doing it, then literally what happens in the spirit realm is all of that junk Satan has raided against them starts falling apart all around them. I can see it right now. As you begin to worship God and count it joy, every strategy of hell starts falling apart like a deck of cards all around you. Everything that Satan's planned for you starts falling apart. Something sounds so simple could be so profound. Papa God, thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Well, count it all joy. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.